Welcome to The Hoop Commitment. I'm your host, Mike Nielsen. Join me every week to get inside the greatest minds in basketball nutrition, training, and leadership to elevate your game and improve the way you eat, train, and lead. Welcome to episode 40. I've had the honor of presenting at two great conferences this past month. One was the International Basketball Strength and Conditioning Conference, and the second one was the High Performance Basketball Symposium. Both of my talks were about basketball leadership and how coaches can create their own system. I got a lot of great feedback, and from the questions I received, I realized that there are a lot of coaches out there that want to create unbreakable cultures but don't know how to do it. The problem isn't they're unwilling to commit time every week to develop their players. The problem is they don't have a system that's tailored to the values of their program. Because when you talk to coaches, they know the importance of not only building great players, but also great people. They have inspirational quotes in their locker rooms, and they bring in guest speakers to motivate the team to be their best. But years ago, Urban Meyer said something that totally changed the way I look at leadership. He said, average leaders have quotes, good leaders have a plan, exceptional leaders have a system. When I heard this, I realized that I spent most of my career telling my athletes quotes. Whatever I had read that day that inspired me, I passed on to them. There was no plan that built upon itself throughout the season, and there was definitely no system that would progress freshmen to their senior year. For all of us strength coaches out there, another way to hear this quote would be, average strength coaches have exercises, good strength coaches have workouts, exceptional strength coaches have a system. I have to admit, I've fallen victim to watching the latest and greatest exercises on social media and then feeling pressure to add them into my training session. But then I take a step back, breathe, and realize that there's a time and place for everything. And the exercise has to fit with my athletes and also into the system. And so when we talk about leadership, it's the same as talking about any other skill. Leadership can be taught and practiced. Matter of fact, it absolutely needs to be practiced. We can't expect our players to magically know how we want them to act. And even after we tell them, we can't expect them to hear it once and then change. We would never expect this in any other area in the game of basketball. We would never attempt to change a player's shot by showing them how to shoot one day and then expect them to be an all-league shooter the next day. We'd have to first teach them how to shoot, and then we'd have to continuously coach them and course correct as they get in their 10,000 hours. Or we would never expect our team to perfectly run their offense without ever telling them to play. And even after we fully explain the play and teach them the counters, we wouldn't expect them to run it perfectly after one practice. No! We spend all season long reviewing our entries so they can run it to our team's standards. So why is it any different with leadership? Leadership is a skill that needs to be taught so players know exactly how to speak and act in your program. Because every program is different. And then you have to spend time every week reinforcing these skills and course correcting as new situations come up that challenge players. And so the theme of both of my talks was to share how coaches can develop their own unique basketball leadership system that teaches and reinforces their program's core values. And so today, I want to talk about how I teach and live one of our core values, which is gratitude. Now, you might have noticed by now that I build everything out in threes because I believe three is the simplest form of complexity. 
The tripod is the most stable structure on planet Earth. If you have two legs, it's unstable. If you add a fourth leg, you add complexity without adding equal value. And we see the power of three everywhere in nature. Every color that we see on planet Earth is made from the three primary colors. And every move we make on the basketball court comes from only three planes of motion and three translations. And so that's why I developed the three levels of leadership. It's the simplest form of complexity. Now, if you want a full recap of the three levels, check out podcast episode six, where I fully describe the system. But a quick recap is that the three levels are like a video game. You can't make it to level two if you haven't passed level one. And there's no way you could be a level three leader if you're also not a level one and two leader. And level one is synergy, which is the foundation of basketball leadership. If you don't know how to create synergy with your teammates, you might be a great player, but you are not a leader. Without synergy, your words have no power. And level two is sweat, which is your ability to lead by example through hard work. Without sweat, your words have no credibility. And I used to think that level two was the highest form of leadership. But the only problem with leading by example is that it only works when people are watching. And what I found is that the people who need the most help usually aren't looking for it. And so that's why we need a third level of leadership, which is serve. The best basketball leaders not only create synergy with teammates and lead by example through their hard work and sweat, but they also serve their teammates by telling them what they need to hear with love. And I truly believe that our athletes need to learn this progression because at the heart, all players want to be great leaders, but most of them have no clue how to do it. Some might think that they have to be more vocal, while others might think they need to take on more responsibility and tasks, and some just might think they need to lead by example. And these are all good strategies for the right person at the right time. But leading by example doesn't make you a leader if your teammates don't like you. Or being vocal can backfire if you're not putting in the work and your teammates don't respect you. And so with our basketball leadership system, we break down each level, synergy, sweat, and serve. And then each one of those levels is broken into three with our core values. And so I have to ask myself, what do I want players to think about synergy? What do players that know how to create synergy say? And maybe most importantly, what do players have to do to create synergy in our program? Now, I took this idea from one of my mentors, Thich Nhat Hanh. He wrote one of his books that we are what we think, say, and do. It's not that I'm a person who has thoughts. I am my thoughts. Just like it's redundant to say, the wind is blowing. If the wind isn't blowing, there is no wind. The wind is the blowing. And so I'm not a person that says words. I am my words. And so today, I want to talk about one of our core values that make up a level one leader in our program. And that's the energy or synergy of gratitude. What is gratitude? How can we describe it in its simplest phrase so it's easy to remember and even more importantly, easy for our players to repeat like a mantra? If our players are made up of their thoughts, what do I want my players to think about gratitude? The takeaway I want them to know is that gratitude creates your reality. Say that out loud. Gratitude creates your reality. If you ask any one of my players to describe gratitude, they'll tell you that it creates their reality. And I want them to know that their level of happiness is dictated by their level of gratitude. The more gratitude they have, 
the more happiness they feel. If you're not happy, you're probably not grateful. And if you're truly grateful, what do we say? Well, on our squad, we say thank you. We say thank you to coaches for designing practice and leaving their friends and family to serve the team. And we say thank you to the people that serve our meals. We say thank you to our teammates for having our back and our team managers for doing our laundry. And finally, what do grateful people do? Well, we smile. It's impossible to frown and be grateful at the same time. When our players get a new team shirt, they smile. When they finish a killer workout on the way out of the gym, they smile. In our program, we think gratitude creates your reality. We say thank you. And what do we do? We smile. I read a story the other day about Anthony Ray Hinton, who was on death row for 30 years for a crime he didn't commit. He was working in a lock factory at the time of the crime. And when he was arrested, he was told by police officers that he was going to jail because he was black. And he spent 30 years in a 5 foot by 7 foot cell in solitary confinement and was only allowed outside one hour a day. But in those 30 years, he became friends with other inmates and even the guards, which many of them begged his lawyer to get him out. And then finally, after 30 years, by unanimous Supreme Court ruling, he was set free. And it was cool to hear his view on gratitude. He talked about how most people run out of the rain, but he runs into the rain. He said, how could anything that falls from heaven not be precious? He said that having missed the rain for so many years, he was grateful for every drop. And he was interviewed on the TV show 60 Minutes and was asked if he was angry. And he said that he had forgiven all the people that sent him to jail. And the interviewer asked, But they took 30 years of your life. How could you not be angry? And he said, If I'm angry and unforgiving, they will have taken the rest of my life. You see, gratitude created his reality. His circumstances obviously didn't make him happy. His level of gratitude did. And then we see people that have so much, yet aren't happy. They have fancy cars and houses and money, family and friends, but they don't seem to appreciate it. Their circumstances aren't making them unhappy. It's their lack of gratitude that's creating their prison. So take a minute and think about all the wonderful things that we might take for granted. Seriously, pause and think about one person that you're really grateful for. I think about my wife and all the little things that might go unnoticed, yet our family couldn't operate without them. And I get to coach my kids' basketball teams. Are you serious? How lucky am I that every week I get to be on the court with my sons and daughter and their friends? I don't know if I can fully appreciate how awesome that is. And I love gratitude because it connects us all. Gratitude helps us realize that we need our teammates and coaches to succeed. None of us can do it alone. We can't achieve our dreams without help from every person on the team. Without our point guards, there will be no one to bring the ball up. Without our wings, there will be no one to shoot and slash. Without our bigs, there will be no one to rebound. Without our coaches, there will be no one to design the plays. Without our trainers, there will be no one to keep us healthy. Without our managers, there will be no one to do the little things that no one sees but are crucial to running the team. And so the theory is undeniable. Without the team, the individual cannot succeed. You can't play basketball with one person. You need a team. I need to be grateful not only that I have a team, but I have this team. 
If I'm not happy with the team I'm on, it's not a matter of circumstances. It's a matter of gratitude. And so what do we do to show gratitude? While on my team, we smile. You can't be grateful while you're frowning. If a friend gives you a present that you love, you wouldn't say thanks with a blank stare on your face. You'd smile. Grateful people smile when they get issued team equipment, especially being a Nike school. Do you know how much awesome gear we get? And we show our teammates and coaches our gratitude by always saying thank you and smiling. But as good as the theory is, the science is even more compelling. Research has shown that simply going through the motions of smiling stimulates parts of the brain that regulate stress and produces pleasure. Smiling stimulates the release of serotonin, which is antidepressant, and also dopamine that comes from the reward center of the brain. It also releases endorphins, which are natural painkillers. And the best part of smiling is contagious. Your smile impacts other people. And so these are the kind of stories and research that our staff continuously talks about and shares with our players. Every day for two weeks, we tell the players that gratitude creates their reality. And we make sure that we're reinforcing the importance of saying thank you and smiling. When you're part of this program, that's just what we do. And we also conduct team activities to show them how to be more grateful. In one of my favorite meetings, we had the team write down one good thing that happened to them in their life. Maybe it was the day they got their first car. Or maybe it was the day they signed the scholarship papers at Gonzaga. And then we had them write down one bad thing that's happened in their life. Maybe they missed a game-winning shot, or they had a serious injury. And after they wrote down their one good and one bad experience, I shared a story about a father who bought a horse for his son. And everyone in the village said, that's good. But the Zen master said, we'll see. A couple years later, the boy fell off the horse and broke his leg. And everyone in the village said, that's bad. But the Zen master said, we'll see. Then a war broke out, and all the young men were taken off to war, except for the boy with the broken leg. And everyone in the village said, that's good. But the Zen master said, we'll see. Now, while most people's happiness is victim to the circumstance, the Zen master is wise enough to know that the story always continues. When Kobe Bryant was asked how he overcomes fear of failure, he replied by saying, failure doesn't exist. He said, there's no failure and there's no happy endings. Just think about the Disney fairy tales where the movie ends with the princess living happily ever after. Now he calls BS on this because they don't show what happens two months later when they get in a fight and the prince ends up sleeping on the couch. The point is, the story always continues. Or as the Zen master says, we'll see. I think back to some of the major setbacks of my life. Tearing my Achilles tendon to end my senior year at GU was one of the most challenging times of my life. I had to watch the entire NC2A tournament in a boot on the bench. And everyone told me how bad it was. But they should have said, we'll see. Because I really believe that tearing my Achilles at that exact time was the best thing that ever happened to me. Having to take a year off of playing gave me my love of basketball back. And during the year I was doing rehab, it just so happened that a strength coach left, which allowed me to go back to school and train the Gonzaga men's and women's basketball teams. And then after I completed my rehab and finished my playing career in Europe, I already had Division I coaching experience. 
I couldn't have planned it any better because the same year I retired was the same year they opened up an assistant strength conditioning job at GU, which I got. You see, the story always continues. So look back at your life. How many tragedies have turned into triumphs? And so after I share the Zen Master story, I have the team look back at the one good thing to happen to them and then write down three bad things that occurred because of it. They might have been excited to get their first car, but then you find out really quick that gas is expensive. Oh yeah, and I have to pay for insurance. Or you get that first ding in your car that just ruins your day. And then I have them look at one of the bad things that happened in their life. Have they torn their Achilles tendon? And what are the three good things that came out of it? If they missed the game-winning shot, it might have inspired them to practice even more. Or maybe it was an opportunity for them to bomb with their teammates and allow them to pick them up. You see, it's not your circumstances or what happens to you that creates your reality. It's your level of gratitude that would dictate your happiness. Now, this isn't the only or the best activity to do with your team. But I wanted to share some of the concrete examples of ways to coach gratitude. If players don't understand the concept of, we'll see, it's going to be very difficult for them to be grateful when they get injured. But if they can understand that good things come out of even the worst circumstances, they'll be able to make the most of the time they're sidelined. And if they can be grateful for the injury, it's going to be easy to appreciate all the good things in life. Now, in addition to talks and team activities, our players also watch YouTube videos on gratitude, and we give them homework assignments like keeping a gratitude journal. All of them revolve around letting our players know that gratitude creates your reality. And so we say thank you, and we smile. And it doesn't really matter what you do as long as you're consistently coaching and reinforcing your values. So I hope this sparks some ideas for you to continue building your own leadership system. Now, if you want help teaching your players about leadership, I've created a free five-day course on hoopcommitment.com. In addition to teaching the three levels of leadership, everyday players are given a five-minute ball handling routine with a professional basketball player. It's a perfect way to introduce athletes to the power of commitment and give them a roadmap to help them become their best. So check out hoopcommitment.com and get your free downloads today. And to all of you who are committed, we'll earn your X.